it drives me crazy that what people actually need to have a better relationship is paradoxical. If we fall deeper into the pain, we don't try and avoid it. We stop trying to change our behaviors. We stop asking for our needs to be met. We get into our vulnerability. It gets messy. And we hold each other and hug each other and love each other when we get to the bottom of that gruesome pain of I'm so unacceptable again and I'm all alone again. But down there in the bottom of that pain, there's no room anymore to be looking at the other person like they're the problem. We're just two people that love each other that are hurting so much. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. Is relationship conflict your ongoing nemesis? Have you ever had a partner accuse you of not being sensitive? And have you heard of this thing called empathy, but maybe you don't understand what it really means or why it's so important? Well, in this episode, my guest, Figs O'Sullivan, and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. Figs O'Sullivan, real name Fiacra, O'Sullivan, otherwise known as Figs. Uh, He's the founder of Empathy, Empathy with an I, which is essentially a program or a method that teaches couples how to resolve conflict by way of learning empathy. Figs is a husband and a dad to two little ones, and he's also a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in emotion-focused therapy. Now, I learned of Figs' work actually through my partner, Sylvie Kukassian. She's been a big fan of his work for years, telling me about this this Irishman that she really admires and whose work she she, uh, appreciates and looks up to, and and she's been telling me for some time to have him on my show. Well, like any proud, stubborn man, I decide who's on my show. And like many, a proud, stubborn man, eventually I realized that my lady's right. (laughs) When his team reached out to me not long ago, I decided it's time to finally learn more about what this man is up to, and I knew immediately what Sylvie had been telling me for years, that Figs is a wise man doing important work to help couples navigate conflict, specifically by teaching them how to create connection in difficult moments. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Figs. In this episode, we talk about conflict and intimacy, about the myth of men's emotional sensitivity, that actually men are deeply sensitive. We talk a lot about empathy, why it matters, pathways to experiencing it, and how to create connection in moments where both partners are triggered and upset and otherwise just unable to bridge their differences in a painful moment. Now, I hate to contribute to stereotype, but like so many Irishmen I've met over the years, he's also just a great and funny storyteller. And I think you're going to get a lot of both wisdom and laughter and enjoyment out of this episode. So definitely stay tuned all the way through to Figs O'Sullivan's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. And finally, if you want to share feedback or share what this 
conversation inspired in you, you can email me directly at brian at brianreeves.com. Remember, that's brian with a Y at brianreeves.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, let's dive. Figs O'Sullivan, Fiacra. Welcome to Men This Way. Did I try too hard with the name? Did I correct you, you added me? you added a lot of a little bit more flair than is necessary. I do that, but I but I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to Men This Thank Way. You. It's an honor to it's, have you here. Thank you, Brian. It's it's a pleasure to be on your show. Now check this out, man. This is wild. Today it is April 29th. It's Wednesday, April 29th, and in this exact moment, Figs. We'll, we're going to use your name, your your nickname, Figs. Because otherwise, I'm just going to try too hard to pronounce your Irish name. Well, on this exact moment, Figs, me and my partner, Sylvie, who's a big fan of your work, by the way, we, in this moment, if we were not in quarantine pandemic, we would be in Ireland right now getting married. Oh, wow. This, oh, my God. We'd be wow. having our celebration dinner with our family in wow. Southwest Ireland in Glengareth. Wow, that yeah. would be. I mean, I, I'm not sure what to say. That's a, is this a day, it must be a kind of complicated day emotionally for you. But, I imagine. But, but it's what I'm talking to you, an Irishman. You're the first Irishman, like full on Irishman, that I've had on yeah, this yeah. podcast. And and this day was. Cho- I mean, I didn't Amazing. really pick this day because Sylvie and I were supposed to get. It's just bizarre, man. Yeah. I'm just I'm yeah. tripping out over it. To be no, that is. It's an interesting yeah. coincidence. All right, that you have an Irish. Yeah. Like, quote, quote, unquote, relationship expert on your show <laughs> on such a such yeah. a day. Right. It's fascinating. Where, where in Ireland are you actually from? originally? I, I'm from the city. I'm from Dublin. OK. You know, born not and as raised? beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in, in, Dublin, in the center of the city. Right. And of course, I know yeah. now you're in San Francisco, about as, in San Francisco. as far away from Dublin as you can get. There's a direct flight that makes a big difference. There being yeah. a direct flight, you know, it's like a ten-hour flight. So that that makes it a little easier being so far away from my parents. Ah, uh, yeah. So that you still have a lot of family back there, then. Well, yeah, my my sister is here in um, San Francisco too. Okay. And I have a sister in New Zealand, but which is even further away from Ireland. But yeah, both my mom and dad, they're not together, which of course is a hard time just because they're so they're alone, right? They're isolated. Mm. They're in, doing the shelter in place thing. Yeah. In Ireland. Yeah. So yeah. that that's a tough time. Yeah. The distance seems even greater right now because they're, yeah. so, they're yeah. like literally isolated at the moment. Yeah. And I, well, look, we can make this whole episode about Ireland. I have I, such, Sylvie and I both have such a love affair. We got engaged in Ireland. Wow. We have a, an ongoing love affair with that's Ireland. Great. She, she is our, that she's is both beautiful. our mistress. But you're in San Francisco. How are you? And I know you're married. You have a couple youngins and you all yes. are in quarantine. How are you holding up? Good, good. You know, I mean, it's been a journey. When I say good, this second good, it's an ever-changing, you know, like um, evolving process. The first week felt almost similar to what it was like the, uh, finding out. Trump got elected in 2016 and we were like literally that's the thing I could compare <laughs> it to the most even uh-huh. like it was a shock to the system and my wife yeah. and I didn't do very good the first week yeah. of shelter in place whatever we call it like yeah. we really didn't do that well with each other but mm. now it really does kind of I almost feel guilty saying this now it actually is feeling very similar to the best parts of our vacations together 
Really? Right. Because like, look, the best thing in my whole life, right, and my entire work and everything is about being able to be a husband and a dad, being able to stay in connection, right? My favorite thing in the whole world is that I go to bed every night with my wife and two kids and my dog sleeping in our own little bed at the end of the bed. We all still sleep together, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. I know some people think that's weird, but we, what's called, we co-sleep. Look, as a kid, I knew the pain of not having that kind of cocoon of belonging. I just fleeting moments of feeling it, right? That I would have... Up until now, being part of this family, I would have grasped the memory mm. of those moments and I would have worked those and all that, you know, personal development workshops, all that stuff. But now, like literally every single day, every night, I go to bed with my wife and my two kids. Mm. It's, I live in what is literally a magical, like the best I ever could have hoped for in my life, mm. every day. And so us being together all day, it's amazing. It's just incredible. Now, let's be clear. It's also unbelievably stressful and overwhelming and exhausting. Like, you know, it's never just one thing. There are <laughs> yeah, times yeah. where I'm like, oh my God, like this is kind of, I literally do not have one second to myself. It, it takes my wife and I like four attempts to get through one hour episode of a TV show. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's, you know, that's yeah. the amount of free time uh -huh. we have. But that's, anyway, that's yeah. funny. It takes me and Sylvie an hour just to find something we want to watch wow. together. And then oftentimes at the end of that hour, we just give up and go to our separate TVs. And wow, you said something really interesting that actually I think might be a great segue to help our listeners learn more about you as well. This longing for belonging. Tell us about a significant event or experience in your early life. That I'm curious, like maybe that flavored hunger, that yearning for longing or belonging, or or at least in some way that shaped who you are as a man today. Right. Yeah, yeah. I always feel you know, this is like it's a cliched Irish story, right? It's like you know another like a typical Angela's ashes or something, right? Like I'm the son of an alcoholic father, you know, and a, and a heartbroken mother. So I grew up with you know, a mom that was really, really sad and heartbroken and a dad that wasn't there. And if he was there, it was carnage. You know, I have memories of having to be lifted up over the neighbor's walls because my dad, the crazy dad was coming and, you know, just all sorts of just chaos. And But, but even beyond the, like, the chaos and moments of violence and all that stuff, just the shame. Right. There was just so much shame and, and so much sadness, like family event, like, you know, like holidays. You know, my mom was amazing and, and her family, her, you know, my grandparents, aunts and uncles were so incredible at being there for me and my mom and my sister as kids. But there was just this deep sense of sadness and shame that permeated everything. And, and that would be particularly true holidays, you know, Christmas, birthdays. There was always something that just felt broken and, and missing. One of the moments that I always remembered the most, and in fact, I wrote about this as an article I wrote, like the place I'll go before I die. And so uh, I didn't plan on talking about it this way, but w when my parents like finally, finally, the very final break up for good, no more trying, I was 
14, 14 years old. And I, my, my mother got a job as a, a nanny, I think, in, in some summer camp in Rhode Island. And we, my sister and I were sent off with her. We were losing our minds in, in Long Island. And so we were sent um, to summer camp in Connecticut. And so I was away from my mother for eight weeks. We were what they call lifers at this summer camp because they basically <laughs> just put us there. Like, we couldn't afford to go. It was some like, uh -huh. it was a circus and computer camp. Well, my sister and I were there for eight weeks. Circus and, I rem and computers. I know, okay. it's crazy. Like, you know, and <laughs> okay. I Makes literally, sense. if I was smarter, that could have set me up for the rest of my life, right? Like, yeah. if I was like, you know what I mean? I was learning coding. Uh -huh. At like 14, you know, oh, and I won the trapeze. But of course, like, you know, I, it didn't stick. I was still more interested in rugby and chasing yeah. girls. But, yeah, yeah. okay. But so come here. After eight weeks, when I got to return to be with my mom before we went back to Ireland, my I remember this evening where having not gotten the seer for the whole summer, that my mom, my sister and I went to a supermarket and we did a very Irish thing. We went to the candy aisle and we bought lots of candy and, you know, potato chips. And we went back to my mom's little apartment. I had gotten sunburned earlier that day. And I remember lying down on the ground and my mom putting after sun on my back and seeing my sister, oh, just, you know, a few feet away from me and just feeling this is it. This is what I want more than anything to be here with the mm. people I love. We're together. There's nowhere else we have to be. There's nothing else to do than to be here connected mm. to each other. Mm. And so I, I always thought to myself again, you know, being the Irishman turned Californian hippie or whatever you want to call it, you know, doing all these person development workshops. I always call that place the place I'll go before I die. If I was lucky enough to be conscious when I die, I will return to that little apartment in Long mm. Island with my mom putting after son on my back mm. and my sister beside me. Mm. Now, years and years and years later, here I am, you know, like, what am I now? Like 48 years old. And like, you know, it wasn't until I was 40 that I managed to recreate an actual scenario where I could, I had done the work on myself to be able to be in a connected relationship where I could not have to go revisit some fleeting moment in the past that I get to recreate that with my wife and now my children yeah. every day. So I live in the place I will go to before I die if I'm blessed every day. Yeah. Wow, man. That's really interesting because I, I can, I'm 46. Uh, you said you're 48. You know, my parents divorced when I was four. And my family was yeah. never again together. You know, that experience. And I went, when, I went, when I went away to college and then, you know, come Christmas break, where do I go? Which family do I go to? Well, I don't want to choose. So I'm going to go to neither of them. Right. I kind of almost in a way went sort of just solo, lone wolfing it as a right. man. And for so much of my life and then trying to do relationship with women in this place where I had such a complicated relationship with the idea of family. And I didn't meet my partner until I was 41. And it's actually, you know, the first few years of our togetherness, as much as I longed for, die, was dying inside for family, connection, inclusivity, feeling like that belonging like you're describing. It was a struggle for me in many ways, those, those first few years. We're five years into our relationship. 
but I can so relate to what you're describing, that longing. And there's there's a quote that you have, Figs, that when I was going through your your website and your material, so something just leapt out at me because it was something, it was a roomy quote that I would say for years. And this was like my relationship ideal quote. It's this one. Out beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing lies a field. And I'll meet you there. That quote, the reason it's so, it's so meaningful to me is because I was so hungry for a woman to meet me in that place beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing. But the hilarity of it, the irony of it is I had no fucking idea myself how to meet her there because I was so stuck in my judgments, so stuck, like I so longed for acceptance. To me, it was like all about full acceptance, unconditional loving, let's not get lost in the details of this or that. And yet I was so unable to meet a woman there because her experience, you know, often flavored by emotional content, left me bewildered and stuck in my judgments. I, I had no empathy. And you specialize in empathy, you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's the name of my company, right? Empathy. With an I on the end. Which is honor. I'm Brian with a Y. I, I know. I that. heard yeah. that. I knew that. I, I heard <laughs> you, your intro. The I always have an empathy with an I on the end, That's not hilarious. a Y on the end. And so I had no idea what that means. Like as long as much as I longed for belonging, my struggles around empathy, I didn't even know that mm -hmm. that's where like this. I want to dive into this with you, obviously, sure. because not just because yeah. it's your company, but because this is many men have no idea what this means. What's your definition of empathy? Yeah, I mean, the simplest thing is that you're just feeling with the other person, right? Like it's a shared experience, right? These are like as one person is, easiest way is just explain it. One person is hurting. They're having an emotional experience and you feel it with them. You can take their perspective cognitively, but I, so there's two different levels of empathy. One is you cognitively get it. Oh, you are like, oh yeah, if I was going through that, that would hurt. So you're in mm -hmm. cognitive, your perception is you have empathy of the other person, what they're going through. But deeper level down is you have literal, physical, biological empathy, which means you're actually feeling what they're feeling in your own body, right? And then, of course, where an empathic experience is magical is then the person that was originally having this, like, really vulnerable experience, they see you not only go, like, resonating with them, like, oh, that would be really hard but they can see you are feeling the feelings with them and it helps them feel they're really met, understood, loved, you're really here with me. That's the place where the most beautiful, magical connection can happen between two people. So I am primarily a crafts person, you know, like psychotherapist, yada, yada, yada. Like I said, relationship expert, it makes me barf when I say that about myself. <laughs> yeah, but primarily I what I see I do is I help people have experiences with each other. I'll see if I can bring them to those thresholds yeah. where one person is hurting and they share it and the other person feels it and shows the other person they feel it. And then they hang out. We stop trying to solve problems. We actually stay yeah. in that place with each other as long as we can. And then we integrate the meaning on the back end of that yeah. experience. So one of the biggest obstacles that I see men face. I also work with, with couples and working with couples for about seven years. And one of the things that I also, that I see routinely, and I face this, this is one of my biggest challenges is even in the first piece, the intellectual 
empathy, the perceptual right. empathy. You shouldn't feel that way because X. I can see here's a right. perspective which like, like your perspective isn't valid. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. If you only right. see it this way, then you'll feel better. It's sort of a lot of more, you know, men tend to right. kind of orient this way. I certainly do. It's my initial mm -hmm. orientation. Yeah. If you would just mm -hmm. see it this way, you'll feel better. Like I'm trying right. to free, I see it through the masculine feminine filter. It's like if if you just see it differently, you'll feel free of the problem right. and you'll feel better because that's what would work for me, I think. How do you overcome that initial objection? Yeah, well, that's great, right? So this is the, the interesting thing is like, look, having a better relationship is a multi-step journey. And in fact, just imagine you're trying to get across a river and or a stream, and I'm making this analogy up on the fly. It's very tempting to try and step directly from the bank you're standing on to the far bank. Because let's say, let's say the far bank is like, we are actually feeling better, right? We are right. more connected that's to each we other. We're no longer to, yeah. that's what we want to get to. Almost everybody wants to jump immediately straight <laughs> yeah. from the, the, yeah. the shitty bank. We are, yeah. we're disconnected and we're feeling crap. And yeah. both people have an idea. Well, look, I'll tell you what, if you changed how you feel, we'd yeah. get there. And of course right. the other partner, let's say, you know, the other partner is like, well, if you actually listened to me and gave a shit about my feelings, we right <laughs> exactly. now, both of those attempts to jump yeah. right across the river are going to like land them in the middle of the river and they're going to be even more pain and suffering. Right. So we have to do this in multiple little steps. And even this idea of having empathy, like all uh, for the other person, that's like a later step. That's even, that's a later step. So yeah. we can't, if we try and get that first, we're in trouble. Step number one. It's both of us. I'm hurting and you're hurting. And when I'm hurting, I'm reactive. And the way I'm reactive, when I'm hurting, I actually start telling you, you shouldn't feel the way you do, which hurts you. And now you're critical of me. Yeah. So that's both of us, no matter who started it. So step number one, we have to get to a place where, look, we are stuck in the system together. This mm -hmm. isn't about I'm wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. We yeah. are stuck. Yeah. Step number two is then emphasizing and really being embedded in we're both hurting. We're not hurting like because I said, let's move to Ireland. And you said, no, I'm staying in Los Angeles. It's not a logistical issue. It's because we both felt unloved in some deep way by the issue at hand. And the only reason that it hurts when we feel unloved is because we freaking love the crap out of each other. Yeah. We're only hurting because we love each other. Mm. And the only reason we look so threatening and scary in our little cycle yeah. we've gotten into is because we love each other. Now we're like, we're like, we're literally halfway across the river. Now, from that place, we take the next step and we can see, oh, shoot, I see like right over there on this like, you know, crap bank of the river that we were standing on where we're fighting with each other. I could only see what you're doing wrong and I kept wanting you to change your feelings or I kept wanting to tell you what you're doing wrong. Now I see my partner, what I was just doing. I'm not no longer just focused on you. Right. I see the way I, the way what right. I was saying would have invalidated your feelings. And then of course yeah. the partners the <laughs> partners gets the um I actually see the way it would have really hurt you that I came across really critical when it seemed like you didn't meet me right the first time. Now we so we mush all that together. It's both of us are only hurting because we love each other and I've been contributing to this disconnection. Now we're in a safe place together. Now we're actually standing on that pebble together. And now we can take that final leap to that was really hard for both of us to get disconnected and we're connected again. 
now we can have the yeah. conversation about so should we move to Ireland or stay in LA? That's right. Yeah. Right. So so that's where like people and we can't jump immediately to empathy and we can't and it's not fair to expect someone to have empathy for the other person. The first thing we have to do is try and one way I put it is we got to try and go from two separate suffering bubbles to one shared suffering bubble. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So, so empathy for us, how awful this is for both of us. And then we, we can take turns trying to see now, can you understand yeah. how hard it would be for someone if they told you I'm really sad and you told them, ah, sure, you shouldn't be sad at all. Yeah, no. One of the things that I, I'm often telling the couples I work with, but, but also I've got to really be telling myself, uh, which is all I'm ever doing. I'm only ever talking yeah. to myself, right? Is uh, no good solutions come from a state of disconnection. That's great. No, like no that. good yeah. solutions come from being disconnected. Right. And even though I'm I, my first instinct is uh, like, because I feel like, I, you know, in right. those moments I'm triggered, I'm drowning. Yeah. And just all I want to do is survive in those moments. But those are not good right. yeah. thriving solutions. We might survive the moment, but, you know, right. it's, well, it's not a good experience. Well, if you'll indulge me, I, I came up with a little story. I come up with lots of stories being Irish. I come You're up Irish. With lots of stories now. Exactly. I can't probably sing it to us. Hey, well, you know, hold on <laughs> Another now. Time. I got a, a little guitar. No. <laughs> So if you're okay, can I tell you a story about, I came up with a little story to try and, to try and illustrate this for people. And so Chuck, you're saying like the problem's not a, the problem and coming up with a solution for the problem we're talking about is not going to make this moment better. Like, just like you said, yeah. right? So my wife and I often argue about who's going to clean the kitchen, right? And so the arguments often go like, I come home after working and I'm like, look, I'm really tired. I worked all day. Would you clean the kitchen? She's like, are you kidding me? What do you think I'd be doing? Like, why is your work more important to me? You don't, you don't value what uh -huh. I do. I'm like, Jesus, I wasn't even saying that. Like I was just saying, I was and then I say, so fine, I'll, I'll, I'll clean the kitchen. Oh, don't bother. I'll do it. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, there's no right. way out. Like, yeah, 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 there isn't any way out. Right. That's and right. so they're just yeah. literally, I clean and she cleans it. We clean it together. Everything sucks. Yeah. Right. Every, we no, we don't clean it. We both right. leave it. <laughs> There's literally no good way out of that moment. That's right. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's exactly. What I, yeah. It's just a disaster, yeah. right? Yeah. So here's what I did. I built a time machine. I did like, because I know like this always happens, but I always know in 30 minutes mm. from now, we're fine. Yeah. Okay. Right. We, somehow handy, we handy work it have. out. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I go into like <laughs> what this room that are like now office, right? In shelter uh -huh. in place where I built this time machine and I jump in the time machine and I fast forward 30 minutes into the future. Yeah. Right. And I, I get out of the time machine. I go back into the kitchen and I look into the kitchen and I see I'm washing pots and pans, extra bubbles, and I'm throwing bubbles over at my wife. There's music uh -huh. playing. She's dancing and she's <laughs> giggling and laughing as she cleans the countertops. <laughs> uh -huh. And we're having yeah. a brilliant time. So uh -huh. I go, Jesus Christ, we, this is it. This is it. I wash the pots and pans. She cleans the countertop. So I get back in the time machine, go back 30 minutes, come out of the time machine, back into the kitchen. And I say to my wife, I've got it. Uh -huh. I'm going to wash the pots and pans. We'll do extra bubbles. So I like throw bubbles at you. Let's get some music on. You dance around and clean the countertops. She looks at me and says, fuck you, fig. <laughs> and storms out of the house. Yeah. Right? So I'm like being a guy, right? Being a guy, I go back into this room, the guest room. It used to be over there in that corner, right? I go over to the uh -huh. time machine, being a guy, and I kick it. Because yeah, it's yeah, clearly broken. Right, you know, that's my answer to everything, right? 
cliche yeah. as well being the Irish guy, so I have to be violent, <laughs> right? I have to fight the time machine. So anyway, so after like breaking the time machine, I go to bed that night. Of course, my wife and I aren't talking to each other, right? Kitchen is yeah. still a mess, yeah. disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and at about four in the morning, I wake up, I got it. I'm like, oh, Jesus, it wasn't the time machine. The 30-minute process <laughs> that my wife and I went through of feeling our feelings, realizing we're in a system, actually yeah. having empathy for each other, connecting, that process that we avoided by going into the time machine is what actually made everything better. Yeah. So it's the process that matters, not the actual solution. So yeah. this is the yeah. thing. Everybody wants to avoid the vulnerable <laughs> process, right? Um, that we yeah. created with each other. But yeah. that's the most important thing we don't avoid. So no time machine, no yeah. jumping to the solution. It's broken anyway. It doesn't work, clearly. Exactly. You can build it, it but it's... It, it, exactly. It, now, yeah. I have yeah. other uses for the time machine, but... Uh, yeah well it's yeah it's hilarious because like i told my uh, lady early in our relationship uh half jokingly i said look as long as you're always just just be happy and thrilled all the time and we're good oh, yeah we're good and i i was half joking because the the wiser half of me knew that that was ridiculous but the less wise half of me thought it might actually be possible that she just be happy and thrilled all the time sure. and of course she looked at me and basically said the same thing your wife said to you Fuck you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but, <laughs> so, but this is the thing. It's good to know, right? Look, yeah. ultimately, there's not two of us in our relationship. There's four of us. There's a little boy that I, yeah. if you're happy, if you're happy, I'm okay. If you're not disappointed in me, if you're happy all the time, then I'm okay. And that right. part, that's, look, I'm looking out at the world the whole time saying, is my wife happy? Because if she's happy, I'm okay. Now, there's also a little girl inside of her yeah. where I want to see that I'm a priority for you. I want to see that you care about me. I want to see that you don't think I'm too much if I have vulnerable feelings. Yeah. And that little girl is looking out all the time. And of course, if I delivered a message where, hey, if you're happy all the time, then everything is okay. It's really going to land like, like you're saying, I can't be me and like, it's not okay for me to have my feelings. It's going to hurt their feelings, which of course was going to deliver the fuck you, which of course now I'm even less accepted okay. than I was right. on the, like when I first, before I first said it, yeah, we're, we're off to the races again. Yeah. I call it crazy town. Right. We're off to crazy town. town. Yeah. Well, thank you for helping to dispel. There's a there's a myth that I'm constantly busting in in with the couples I work with and with the men, especially that I work with. And I, I'm still having to bust this myth with myself constantly is is the myth that a good relationship is one where both people are just always on the same page. They don't need good conflict resolution skills because there just shouldn't be conflict. It's crazy. Right. That's the myth. And, and your wife is also a therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. We we fight all the time because we love each other. And but so come here. Here's the thing. Let's just talk about this. Look, one of the things that really annoys me is as a business person and in the business of helping people have a better relationship, I would be exponentially more successful if I sold people that all you have to do is change your behavior and your wife changes their behavior. All you have to do is start talking right. respectfully to each other. This is the latest, greatest yeah. article on Medium yeah. by Terry Real right now. His one piece of advice, I'm going to get in trouble now, someone is a fan of his and will share it with him, is never say something to your partner that is below the level of respect. Hmm. Now, look, that's great. I would love that. And we're freaking mammals and limbic systems yeah. and our partners are really important <laughs> to each other. And when we get our feelings hurt, yeah. we have yeah. moments of reactivity. 
that sells. You you tell someone that I could get you to a place that you never have conflict. People are going to want to sign up for that, yeah. but it's a false promise. Yeah. So this is what I'm really frustrated about sometimes. Like I write and I go on every now and again because I'm bored. I'll go into Cora and there'll be some question about relationship. And there's like someone is saying like, my partner is an asshole. Let's be clear. And let me give you some evidence. Like, let right. me give you eight pieces of evidence about how much an <laughs> asshole my partner is. Almost yeah. every answer to that question is, you, you freaking divorced that ass. You know yeah. what I would do? Easy, yeah. You deserve better. All those yeah. answers get upvoted. One yeah. Yeah. silly person like myself goes, hey, come here. I think you might be in a system. I think you're both hurting and you're both yeah. having reactivity. People are like, that person's fucking insane. That, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like clearly this, this woman or this man is with a terrible partner and they yeah. should tell them what they should do differently. And they should tell them they deserve respect. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but it sells. You yeah. tell people all you have to do is change your behavior or your partner's yeah. behavior and everything will be better. Yeah. People will lap that shit up. People will pay anything for that, but yeah. it's not going to work. That's you're not right. going to fight your biology. If you love someone, you're going to have moments of feeling that that F and so-and-so is not there for me again. And you're going to hurt and you're going to have reactivity and you're going to hurt them and they're going to have reactivity. And you're going to go like you're not being respectful like you're supposed to be. Right. Like, like and, and it's just going to get worse. And look, it drives me crazy, right? That what people actually need to have a better relationship is paradoxical. If we fall deeper into the pain, we don't try and mm -hmm. avoid it. We stop trying to change our behaviors. We stop asking for our needs to be met. We get into our vulnerability. It gets messy. And we hold each other and hug each other and love each other when we get to the bottom of that gruesome pain of I'm, I'm so unacceptable again and I'm all alone again. But down there in the bottom of that pain, there's no room anymore to be looking at the other person like they're the problem. We're just two people that love each other that are hurting so much. Yeah. Now, most people don't want to do that. And this is why the, I almost only ever work with people when their problems are bad enough, because that's the only place that they're going to be motivated mm. to actually go where they need to go to make things better. I got a yeah. little excited. Okay. No, I like it. I, 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 you're speaking my language for sure. Gosh, you know, I work with women and men, but I, I find especially, and it has been my own experience as a man myself, that until I hit a bottom, and that's a relative thing, you know, one man's bottom is another man's peak. But until I hit fucking bottom, right. I'm not really ready to do the, the real work that right. it takes. So I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And I, and you said something, or actually, actually, it's not something, you didn't say it so much here, but it, it all connects in that, and this is something Sylvie and I stand for as well, that you, uh, you have a video with you and your wife, the magic is in the repair. And I think this is what you're pointing at, and this is what I think is so, look, I absolutely do my best to always be respectful of my lady, and there are times when I might say something that's a little shitty. That's right. a little, it's a dig. It's uh, you know, I can't, there's just, for whatever reason, yeah, I'm no. showing up in that moment. I'm, I'm sort of terrified in a way and it's coming out snarky in a way that's just not kind. Absolutely. And you're a human being. And so this idea of repair, I think I agree with you hundred percent. The magic is in the repair. Can you speak to that a little bit more to really land that for people who are listening, man, man, woman, or otherwise listening and thinking, right. This should just work. We should just, we should never have disconnect, if you will, which I, I liken to, it's like, you don't want disconnect. Well, it's, it's kind of like, 
putting a penis in a vagina and just leaving it there. That's right. fun for a minute, but then yeah, it's like, you know, real exciting sexual experiences, connection, disconnection, connection, disconnection. It's in, it's out, it's forward, backwards. It's, it's a dance. It's, it is messy. Right. It's, it's yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I think the Absolutely. same relationally. So t talk, let's talk for a moment right. about the well, magic is in the repair. Right. Well, so let, let's just do a little groundwork on this, right? So here's the idea, right? It's just almost everything that happens in a relationship be understood when we look at it through the lens of attachment theory. And, and just it very in short, we all need to be attachment is basically emotional bonding. We all need to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave. And the cradle part is obvious when you were born. Right. And let's just do a hundred thousand years ago. You were born in the African savannas. Your first needs. I know it's going to be weird for your listeners in L.A. It wasn't coffee. It wasn't a car. <laughs> it wasn't your iPhone. Right. Okay. Your, your first need was actually that there was going to be another good enough other on the other side of your birth that was going to be there for you physically and emotionally and would accept you as good enough, right? If that doesn't happen, you are guaranteed to die. So you are physiologically built to detect the first thing to detect and cry out and protest if there isn't someone on the other side of your birth, right, that's going to be there for you. Nothing changes for the rest of your life. It's just because now you're grown up and you're like behind your little car, which you're like, like disposable coffee you're still someone that is wired to is someone there for me and am i good enough for them and if i'm not the same mechanism is there i'm under an existential threat now that sure. is so scary and it hurts so much that you're going to have some reactivity you're going to protest i am yeah. sorry you will not become so close to the dalai lama that you will stop having protests that hurt other people right. yeah. whether you're a shutter downer a fixer a minimizer a criticizer you're going to hurt other people with the shit you do to not hurt and love yeah. fact you will never stop now we can minimize the amount of damage you do and we can minimize the yeah. amount of time you do it but we're not getting yeah. rid of it so that's the reality and i would just the first thing i would say just stop fighting your your biology it's not going to work yeah. it's not going to work right all this stuff about let's just be respectful and stop ever being disrespectful. You're fighting your nature. I'm not saying like, don't try and be nice. Right. But you're going to have fail points. So, well, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to emphasize that too, Figs, yeah. because I make this correlation as well, that, that even when we're adults, the reason that, that a breakup or losing someone can feel like we're about to die, can feel like death, even though right. we're not going to die. But yet it feels like the loss of a relate. I mean, it is a death of sorts, the death yeah, of that yeah. relationship of that person. Right. But it, but we're not going to die. And yet, though, like you said, it's in our biology that if we lose this caretaker, this person who is the primary in that moment carer for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, earlier in our life, it would have meant death. Absolutely. And the nervous system so is still responding to that. Yeah, your limbic system is yeah. still experiences the loss of a primary attachment figure is the worst possible thing that could happen, right? I need someone else. We're an interdependent species to be okay yeah. in the world. And now they're gone. I am not okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter what stories you tell yourself. You, yeah. <laughs> I, you are not okay, right? Yeah. So here's the idea. If all of that is true, that means because you love each other, because your attachment to each other, your emotional bonding is so important to each other, you're going to have moments that you're scared to live in daylights out of each other. Because you're going to have moments, right? I Let's talk about me and my wife. My wife and I are going to have moments where I look to my wife as someone that isn't prioritizing her, that she doesn't matter to me. 
and you know some of her triggers are her own stuff some of them is like i literally have limitations yeah. of being present and i yeah. zone out when like she's yeah. talking to me and deep down inside her it seems like oh my husband just zoned out again like yeah. guys are freaking assholes and my husband's one of them right <laughs> like but actually deeper down she's like alert alert and something yeah. unconscious her her limbic system her mammalian body and reptilian body then our brain freaking yeah. kicks in i'm under a big threat like my primary person's not here so she's yeah. hurt and feels scared and now she's going to say something going oh there you go again not being able to listen when i talk <laughs> which like it seems like a pretty innocuous statement uh, yeah. but that yeah. hits my like yeah. i'm in trouble again and i'm unacceptable alert right. alert i'm, I'm on my now. way to not enoughness and now i'm going to defend myself hey you know take it easy and of course now <laughs> again all your la yeah. listeners are like hey don't don't copy my accent yeah that's right right well stop that figs that's right you, you've got a silly accent yourself yeah. well like hey teal chill girl like I, I wasn't leaving you i'm right here right of course now i'm going to defend myself and, and as i'm defending myself i was doing it and then i also tell her your feelings are invalid so now she hurts even more that's another now, way of saying because, yeah you shouldn't feel that way because i'm right exactly, here exactly right and yeah. so now we are scaring to live in daylights out of each other back and forth because the only message we're really both saying to each other i am withholding the love that we promised each other in this moment it's a really big deal. Like, like when someone says, hey, did you guys get in a fight today? And you go, yeah, what'd you fight about? And you say, it's something really small. It's not something small. Mm -hmm. We got into a place where it looked like my primary person that I need to feel safe in the world was actually yeah. withholding love for me. It was terrifying. And that's what I like. And so once we can recognize we got in our cycle and it's terrifying for both of us because we love so much, we mean so much to each other. Now we can work on being there for each other again. And that's the repair. And so here's the most important thing that all human beings have to do in order to be like healthy and like be able to connect with other people. Everyone experiences moments when their person or, you know, parents when we're little kids or primary caregiver or like our partner, it looked like they weren't there for us, but it looks like they're trying to be there for us now. And can I give myself and them a chance to reconnect now? That's the key. That is the key to emotional health. I got hurt. You weren't there for me in some way. You weren't prioritizing me. You weren't accepting me. I really, really hurt. Now, are you going to take your marbles and go home? Are you going to take your marbles and go home for two weeks? Well, mm -hmm. I'm not talking to you if you're not going to accept me. Mm -hmm. Or like, you don't prioritize me? <sighs> we'll see how you feel when I go out with Tad <laughs> tonight, right? You know, so like yeah, what? Yeah. Or are you going to be able to recognize, ah, shoot, we got in a system. We're both hurting because we mean so much to each other. And can I give myself and give you a chance to repair and love and care for the parts in both of us that got hurt during that conversation that was so awful for both of us? Would you say a key is learning also how to be there, how to show signal to your partner that you're there for them in a way that is meaningful to them? Right. Yeah, well, exactly, right? Like, so the, here's what I would say. This is like the third stage, right? Stage one, simplicity. we got to see the system that it's both of us together. We have to have one shared narrative of how we get stuck. And, and the reason we get stuck is because of these emotional bonding needs. And we friggin' love the shit out of each other, right? Yeah, That's yeah. why we fight. Stage two is now we can drop into that vulnerability like that's right underneath our reactivity and share it with each other and be there and love each other in, a, in that really vulnerable way. Yeah. Stage three is now that we know that it's a system, it's only happening because we love each other, we can drop into the vulnerability and share and love and care for those little ones inside of each other. 
Now, when I'm at a party with my wife, say, one day when the world returns from yeah. the brink of Armageddon or whatever, right? Yeah. I see her have a moment of feeling I, she doesn't know where I am. Yeah. And I know, I know, oh my God, the little girl inside her thinks she's not prioritizing. She doesn't mean anything to me. And so I tell the person I'm talking to, shut up. I got to go be there with my wife. And I shout across the room, Till, mm. I have not forgotten you. Right. Now, it's weird for everyone else in the party. Yeah. They think I'm a crazy person. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm making a silly example. And yeah. she has a moment where she actually, I tell a joke and no one laughs. Yeah. And she notices and at a party and she starts uh, literally peeing herself laughing <laughs> now, not because the joke is funny because uh -huh. she knows there's a little boy inside me that can feel unaccepted and now she's yeah. rolling around and she's about to get kicked out so we both get kicked out of the party yeah. i get kicked out for screaming and shouting her yeah. name like yeah. rocky balboa uh, yeah. and she gets kicked out of the party for peeing herself while yeah. laughing at a joke yeah. that wasn't yeah. even funny but we did it because we really yeah. really know each other's core vulnerability yeah. and the most important thing is we show up to be there for those parts in each other that's that's beautiful and and you're together you're both sitting on the curb together outside exactly. the party you're together We're, exactly we, yeah <laughs> i love it. exactly that's beautiful you that's a beautiful closing that's the perfect ending scene, right? We're both together after being, yeah. you know, banished. But it doesn't matter. Because you're together. We're That's together. Right. I love yeah. it. I love it. That's Beautiful amazing. closing scene. And it, it is such we a... It makes a movie. I'm in, man. I'm in. I'm in LA. You're in San Francisco. Between yeah, yeah, us, we, we've got and we've got all the parts exactly. of the puzzle to right. make that film. Yeah, we, do. we do. It's actually a really... I love that. I find couples don't break up because of massive issues, you know, some huge betrayal right. or big infidelity or, I mean, yeah, sure they do, but right. it's more often they don't know how to navigate little situations like how to go to a party together, right? how to go to bed at the same time right. together, how to, you know, one partner wants to turn off the light, the other partner wants to stay awake and connect. Like you say, going to a party, one partner wants to be the first to leave, the other one wants to be the last to leave. Right. You know, think navigating these kinds of, of, totally. of challenges are, are where really, really this, you know, partnership is, or war, partnership is yeah. forged or war is waged. Yeah. And so I think you, your work is so important, Figs. And, you know, you're, I know your, your work is emotionally focused therapy, essentially, is a, maybe a shorthand term. For, yeah, that's for, the, na the, the main kind of, uh, what do you call it? model of psychotherapy that I practice is, and that my relationship coaching is inspired by, is emotionally focused couples counseling. You know, yeah. that's yeah. the, you know, created by Sue Johnson. And then of course, you know, I have my own crazy ways of applying that kind of work because I am crazy. As I can't do it any other way, you know. We should, you should, we should all, we yeah. should all bring our crazy to our work. Otherwise, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. Right, um, I know, yeah. So just a couple more questions and then, okay. and then we'll, we'll finish up with the, our five key takeaways finale. Yeah. Uh, but a few more key questions. And of course, I mean, we're just scratching the surface of what yeah. the depths of this work. And, you know, I'll say this when, when I conclude, but I also want to just, you know, reiterate it here that for, for men, women listening, go check out Fig's work at, at Empathy. And, and again, all the links and, you know, everything will be in the show notes and, and you'll, you'll have an opportunity at the end, Figs, to tell us more about yeah, yeah. Uh, that as well. But uh, it's just such important work. Uh, I'm a, such a huge fan of this work. And 
But let's, I wonder just to, so two final questions here. What do you think then is the most important thing that a man in particular needs to know or learn to create a truly fulfilling, intimate relationship? Here's what I would say I've, I've learned that has been really lovely through my work with couples and I own, you know, just for the last, you know, 12 years is men when given the right container guidance have incredible emotional wisdom right inside the, the men that seem that they would tell you i don't feel my feelings i don't i don't even know what they are that's the language of my you know my partner i almost always am shocked how untrue that statement is mm. so i really one of the most beautiful healing things for me is i've come to really believe in men so much more because you know i've been with like i said my dad's an alcoholic and you know left my yeah. mom and all that stuff We've got some wounding around guys, you know, and yeah. doing this work with couples and seeing, creating a space for men to feel their feelings, especially those that like start off thinking they don't feel it. It's all there. All the ingredients are inside you already. You yeah. just need the right holding. It's probably a little slower, a little bit more spacious than, you know, if you're in a, you know, heterosexual relationship, then your partner, you know, big generalizations, yeah. right? Not yeah. always true, yeah. but, yeah. but you already have everything you need inside you we just got to reorganize the ingredients and do a little bit of practice for you yeah. to be able to be the one you've been waiting for for yourself and be the one that your partner and any future dependence on you emotionally deserve yeah i feel that deeply i you know i my i also had an alcoholic parent growing up mm -hmm. um, I, i'll just leave it at that for now i had it grow right. up with alcoholism I also then went into the military in the Air Force. And so I, you know, came out of 26 from all that experience. I went to a very technical engineering school for my, mm. my undergraduate. And I came out of the military. Now I got a master's degree in human relations because there was this part of me that was hungering to for that, that depth of, of into my own human experience. But all the, the military, the alcoholism, the divorced family, you know, without the you know, lack of emotional comfort from anybody, basically, mm -hmm. uh, growing up, nobody checking in, and then the military, and then here I am at 26, and I feel dead inside. Mm. Like, I, I right. you know, from that place, I tried to do intimate relationship, and it was a disaster over and over right. and over again. And, you know, the, 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 the reality of it is, though, is I felt so deeply. It was, I, there was so much pain mm -hmm underneath everything right. i was like there was a, a, a just a vast <laughs> reservoir of pain and grieving right. that hadn't been done of of sadness anger all kinds of things that you know in the last 10 years of my life i've really given myself to feeling all that stuff more and mm. it has not been comfortable often and of course i've chosen a very you know emotionally connected partner who in many ways has sort of helped me Right. Even though it's been scary at times and I still, you know, will resist because it's, whew, man, to feel all of that at times can be just overwhelming in a way that I, 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 don't, I just, I don't want to face. Right. And yet what I've seen in myself and Figs, what I, what I really appreciate you pointing at here is that, and again, I'm, I'm reminding men of this a lot, that we are actually incredibly sensitive, incredibly Absolutely. feeling right. beings. Yeah. I love that. I love what you're saying. Men don't shut down be actually because they're not feeling anything. It's actually because they feel a lot. Yeah. 
Nobody is pulling away from connection actually because they don't want it, even if they think they are themselves. It's just because it hurts so much to be a disappointment, right. to be not accepted, right. like to, to fear of not being oh. good enough, whatever, whatever that is. And so uh, again, the, the key thing I would just say is like, men out there, like you already, you already have everything, everything you need to be in a connected relationship. You might just have to go to the gym to start to actually work out the, how to use this vulnerability you already have inside you because it's ultimately your greatest strength. Beautiful, man. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um, I'm going to ask this last question before sure. the five key takeaways finale, and maybe okay. we've just answered it. But the question is, it's a question that I like to ask my guests. Just uh, It's kind of a big, big picture question. And maybe again, maybe we've already answered it in this last one, but I'll ask it. What do you think, Figs, is the biggest or greatest challenge facing men today? And what wisdom could you offer in the face of it? Um, the greatest challenge facing men today is... I would say the greatest challenge to face them in today, uh, you know, is there is a notion of what being emotionally vulnerable is mm. that men have internalized. There's this way that being emotionally vulnerable is supposed to love. Then people, other men have the same notion that, oh, I can't do it. They can't do it. Women and, you know, yeah. they, you know, can feel men can't do it when actually vulnerability and the, uh, being in the experience of it and the expressing it can be real and authentic and look nothing like you see in the movies. It right. can be just as real. Yeah. Right. And so I would just, I think coming, there's always this idea that you're supposed to feel the second thing, not the current present thing. And if, as long as men actually can keep letting themselves feel the current thing, and if the current thing is numb, feel numb mm -hmm. like it's your, your career depended on it. I'm going to be numb and I'm going to dive into the numbness. That's being vulnerable and authentic. Feeling yeah. what you're feeling right now, yeah. not the supposed, well, I'm supposed to be crying. That's ridiculous. Right. Don't, let's not worry about the feelings you're supposed to have or what's expected of you. Be real, authentic feeling is being exactly where you are now, embracing it and seeing what happens next. There isn't an acceptance of men's process being slower and more nuanced. And again, interestingly, more sensitive than this idea what it's supposed to look like, tears and tissues. and Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, man. This has been fantastic. And and again, we've got yeah. the final five key takeaways finale round, but uh, I want to encourage everybody, listen to this episode a few times. There's so much, there's a map here already. I mean, what we've been exploring, there's a map here. If you've been experiencing conflict in your relationship that just seems unbridgeable, you know, like you're, you're on the opposite sides of the river, like you're not even on the same side of the river with your partner. Right. Well, you know, some of the, the steps that, that Figs has outlined here already that we've discussed, it's already right here. There's some beautiful nuggets that can immediately make a profound change in your relationship if you begin to just practice, even subtly so. So let's dive into the five key takeaways finale, Figs. Number one, key insight. 
And again, we've always been so much insight in this, but I like to yeah. I do this, this finale to sort of give our listeners, you know, something to kind of hold on to as they leave this episode. Let's just see what's here. What's the one key insight that you would offer our listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Right. Your vulnerability is your greatest strength. Whenever you're in a disconnected moment with your partner, you're in a systemic problem, not a me or you problem. It's Beautiful. both of you. I love it. And what arises for me too, as you're sharing your vulnerability is your greatest strength is that that actually real vulnerability requires way more courage than pretending to be invincible. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. And key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by living or dead that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. Well, I was going to say my dad, right? My dad's a psychotherapist too in Ireland. So my dad actually, you know, as much as saying, you know, he's an alcoholic and all that stuff. And he wasn't there for me as a kid. He actually really turned his life around. Mm. And, you know, it helps other people and leads codependency workshop. He's a really, really amazing experiential psychotherapist. Still working, 75 years old. He'll be 76 here in June. And What's his name? Still Peter O'Sullivan. Peter he's, a, he's, in, he's in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. There's only, but, only, um, only a few of those in the world, right? Exactly, right. Now, the other <laughs> the person I would say that uh-huh. I right now that's, let's say, published and you can access a lot of their material that I think gets it the most for, for men and like people in general is Dr. Gabor Mate. Oh, yeah. Someone must have talked about him on your show uh-huh. before, but so I would strongly encourage people to, I think he really gets the human condition, how, you know, suffering in connection is really at the heart of addiction mm-hmm. and uh, depression. And he, he's an amazing person to, yeah. to look up further. Yep. Gabor Mate. Yep. Again, all this will Gabor be in Mate. the in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. So if you're at the gym or driving or I don't, well, you shouldn't be at any of those places right now, <laughs> yeah. uh, but brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. And I just want to acknowledge though, it, it, it pleases me though, when a man says my father mm. is a mentor, a key mentor that pleases me greatly because it is actually quite rare. Right. And I hope in the next generation that will be less so because of us men yeah. are, we're doing the work more and more and more. And, right. and, and um, so, and our children are, are, will be the beneficiaries of that. Three, the key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of this last year. Ooh, let me, what is the most impactful book, movie, or podcast this year? Man, I'm struggling with this one. Let me um, try to think. What has really impacted me this year? You know, you know what I listen. I'll tell you what podcast I listen to the most. It's just what's true. It's like I listen to this Irish podcast called uh, The Blind Boy. I've heard about it. You know, he's actually you know a singer and comedian, but he he does amazing podcasts and tries to grow awareness of mental health issues in Ireland, but he's just very, very funny and incredibly smart and a great commentator on culture and society. So that's who I listen to. I love, you know, and he's, he's from Limerick, you know, which is one mm-hmm. of the r- r- rougher parts of Ireland. Mm-hmm. There are beautiful, beautiful parts of Limerick, but you know, he, he's just no, no bullshit and really wise, you know, commentator, communicator of wisdom. So that that's actually what I 
listen to the most. Now, of course, the other thing is I still get so inspired and moved and touched by This American Life. Oh, I love it. I'm kind of a I'm I'm kind of a This American Life junkie. I like stuff that just opens my heart yeah. as opposed to learning new stuff. I I kind yeah. of, you know, like like nonfiction information. Yeah, I love stuff that just right. really, really just opens my heart. That was a good story. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, I love This American Life. And The Blind Boy, someone actually recommended that I look into him to have him as a, a guest on my podcast. So anyway. Yeah, um, he's he's amazing. Number four, key investment. In the last year, what's the best thing that you've spent money on? Normally I say under 10,000, but just given the the state of economic affairs at the moment, let's say under a thousand. Ooh, under a thousand. Well, look, I I, want to tell you like what the best thing, and it was just under 10,000. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to. Let's go. I, I bought a front loader cargo bike. So my, I can call my, this bike where the two kids and my dog sit in the front of the Uh, bike. It has changed the quality of my life, like dramatically. It is the best thing I have ever bought in my entire life. Hands out, no competition. Wow. Before shelter in place, I would, I would cycle the kids to school every Mm. day. And I'd go the long way. So I go all the way through Golden Gate Park. Then I come back all the way through Golden Gate Park, cycle all the way along the ocean, and then bring my second kid to their school. And I just, it has been a complete game changer for my life. That's beautiful. By the way, the other thing I would say, like less than a thousand, honestly, these noise-canceling headphones. Uh Are they, what brand? These are the Bose something or other. Yeah, I'm wearing wearing Bose as well. Yeah, noise-canceling. In order to actually be able to keep our, like, work from home without our kids, like, you know, interrupting as they are, you know, like, trying to tickle each other to death, which is great. They have each other. Like, that would be the sub 1000, like, (laughs) good noise-canceling headphones when you have to work from home as therapists with two little kids has been essential. Great. Uh, the last one, key practice. Please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on for the next seven yeah. days. Right. So so my wife and I, well, you know, I was saying like we started the shelter in place pretty badly. We were really struggling with each other, being disappointed in each other, criticizing each other. Mm. It was just overwhelming with the two kids home from school and moving all our clients to video conference. There were so many different friction points. Yeah, we were, it was tense between us. And we started practicing an appreciation exercise with each other every night. But, but it has got a multi-step process. I actually have a PDF of it. I can share it with you. You can put it in the show mm-hmm. notes if you want, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But I'll just explain it really quickly. Step one, you tell your partner an appreciation. Step two, the same person that shared the appreciation goes inside and works out what's it really to me, right? So I appreciate that you made me dinner, but what's it to me? It helps me feel cared for. And when I feel cared for, it helps me stave away the feelings mm-hmm. of abandonment or, you know, right, whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah. Step three, the person that heard the appreciation now actually shares what it was like to be appreciated, what it was like to hear you describe me positively, uh, but also part B of step three, what it's like to really hear and take in what it really touches in you and what it means to you. Step four, now the person that originally shared the appreciation now shares, accesses and shares what it was like to hear what it meant to you to be appreciated and to hear what it really touched in you. Mm. And then both people, you know, you just flip roles. And then there's one final step at the end of that 
what was it like for us to go through this exercise of appreciating each other? What did we just discover? What was it like? And that has literally, as I say it there, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, but that has made a huge impact in the mm. quality of our relationship in this time where there are so many potential friction points. Yeah, I believe that. I once managed a band where we went on the road for 10 months. And every time we probably performed in, I don't know, gosh, man, like 50 different cities all over North America. And one thing we did between every time we got in the truck to go to the next city, we would do a like a gratitude appreciation circle and just spend an hour gratitude and appreciation for everything that had just happened, what was happening. And, you know, Figs, I, I, I credit that for getting us through that that 10 months together without right. killing each other. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, there's got to be a way to emphasize the positive intentionally when under stressful situations. Yeah. And, you know, for some of us, I, you know, I know some people shelter in places, they're painting, you know, they're the next Mona Lisa. And other people, you know, they've got so much time in their hands. And other, uh, most of us are stressed, they're worried, and that has an impact on relationships. It leaks out, you know. Yeah. Figs, this has been deeply enjoyable. I've really enjoyed Likewise. talking with you. And, and where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, the easiest thing is just go to empathy.com with a nine the end. I would say first thing, just take the quiz. I created this because I'm crazy. I created this web app for couples. You can you take this quiz you, and then we give you this very detailed self-discovery report that tells you who you are in love and relationship. Then if you invite your partner or spouse, through the process, they and they answer the quiz, then they get their self-discovery report. It tells them who they are in love and relationship mm -hmm. from an attachment perspective. But most importantly, now that we have both of your answers, your partner did take it through the link you sent them, you're joined together in our database. And now we send you both your relationship system report. Mm. And it tells you who you are as one entity. And all of that is free. I took right? that, by the way. Uh, oh, I'm, good, a good, good. I'm a reluctant lover. Well, we categorized you correctly. Uh, <laughs> we did, but I think from yeah. listening to you. But that, yeah. but so am I. So am I. Yeah. No, I, I I highly recommend that quiz. And again, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put that PDF with the appreciation exercise yes. all I'll, in the I'll show notes. The website is empathy with an I at the end dot com. But again, it's all in the show notes, so don't worry about that. You can get everything there at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. Figs. Thank you so much for the work you're yeah. doing. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on Men This Way. It's been an honor to have you. Yeah, really lovely to be on your show. I hope we we stay in touch. And I want pictures of that eventual wedding in, in Ireland. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I would love that. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Figs O'Sullivan. Find Figs at empathywithanI.com. And by the way, if you want to learn more about his online course for couples called Learning to Love Better, The Conflict Solution, uh, you as a listener to this show, you can actually get 50% off, which right now means uh, getting it for about $150 instead of $300 just by using code MENTHISWAY. And I'll have the... Uh, the, the, the link to his course and as well as that, that coupon code Men This Way on, in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast And I just, you know, I, I love the title, Learning to Love Better, The Conflict Solution. You know, Sylvia and I, we have our co course for couples called Conflict to Connection. And it's interesting, this conflict word, because that, you know, for men, 
in research studies of actual couples, the top two complaints of men are too much fighting, not enough sex. Obviously, not every man has those uh, complaints, but that's sort of across the board. Too much fighting, too much conflict. And um, the thing that I think Figs is going to really help you learn is empathy. You know, Sylvia and I in our Conflict to Connection program, we have a lot of amazing tools that teach you communication skills, masculine, feminine dynamics, and how to create connection in various ways. But but, but Figs really dives into the practice, the art and practice of empathy. Uh, and, you know, I, I certainly still have a lot to learn myself around empathy. So uh, I'm going to ask him if, uh, if I can do his course too, because <laughs> I have so much to learn about empathy. So again, find the link to that course and the link to his website and uh, uh, the coupon code at, and, and, and everything, the PDF, find all that uh, in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. And also, if you're single and you perked up when you heard us talking about attachment styles and how the nervous system reacts to a partner. Um, my partner, my partner, Lady Sylvie, Sylvie Kukassian, just launched her own dating program called Dating with Attachment Styles as Your Guide. It's an incredibly insightful dating course packed with tools and practices to help you navigate the modern dating world with awareness of how your attachment styles, your attachment tendencies, you know, whether whether anxious kind of tendencies, whether avoidant, I'm, I'm more avoidant, our relational attachment tendencies, but, but to help you navigate the modern dating world with awareness of how your tendencies can mingle with a potential partner's attachment tendency, tendencies, including how to more effectively express your needs and desires what red flags to look out for, like how to vet for potential partners who will be good for you versus not good for you, and so much more. I strongly recommend signing up for Sylvie's course. She's brilliant, and plus you get to listen to her lyrical voice speak wisdom into your ear uh, whenever you want to. And it's actually a video course, so go to brianreeves.com slash attachmentdating. And of course, that link will also be in the show notes. And finally, if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or just write a review on your podcast app so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm truly grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this conversation and this episode. Uh, truly, I'm, I'm so grateful for you, um, my listeners and, and my, my fellow journeymen and journeywomen on this wild experience called life. I am your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.